We tend to think we can treat grief like a, a beach ball. You know, we can just kind of shove it down underwater. If you've ever tried to do that, hold a beach ball underwater, what inevitably ends up happening is it shoots out. It shoot, and it never shoots straight. It always kind of shoots off to the side or it shoots this way or, or that way. And that's what happens when we don't hold our grief with God. It comes out in one way or the other. Hey, welcome to the Praying Through Podcast. This is episode six. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors at Soul City Church right here in downtown Chicago. We are a local church with a global vision and a simple mission. We want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We want to help people find and, and follow Jesus to know him and grow in a relationship with him. And one of the ways I help uh, do that is occasionally I write books and I wrote a book called Praying Through uh, that came out in January of 2020 and uh, something I worked really hard on, was so excited about. And within two months of me being able to share this book with all kinds of people and hear the response that people had to it, it was so exciting. As you obviously know, in March of 2020, uh, the world changed and uh, we faced a global pandemic shortly followed by a racial reckoning. Our own family went through some significant changes and significant loss, which I'm going to unpack a little bit more in this episode. And so I thought, you know, it's been a year and a half or so since the book came out. I went back and reread it and wanted to share some uh, sections of the book that are incredibly meaningful to me, and then also share some thoughts that I have since writing it. What has shifted, what has changed, what has deepened, what has become more true for me than I even knew when I was writing these words some two, and in some cases, three years ago. Uh, what's shifted and what's changed? And on this episode of the pod, we are looking, as I said, at chapter five, how to pray when I am gripped by grief. You know, the whole way the book works is that I try and take obstacles that might keep us from God and look at them as opportunities to connect us with God. How can we connect to God in the various seasons we find ourselves in? And this was uh, a hard one for me to write, and yet one that I am grateful God has grown me in uh, over the course of my life, how to connect with God when I am gripped by grief. And my hunch is after this last year and a half or so, I, I bet you you got things that you're grieving or have grieved, or maybe even through the course of this time together today might realize need to be grieved. And there's a great quote by someone who's very important to me in my life, someone I'm grateful to have relationship with. Father Richard Rohr says that if we don't transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. If we do not transform our pain, our losses, the things that we need to grieve, then we will most assuredly transmit it. We will take it out, redirect it on ourselves, on others, and on God. And so I want to share with you a section of the book that really speaks to grief and how it finds us, even when none of us are looking for it. And this section of this chapter of the book is called The Uninvited Journey. And this is what I wrote so many <laughs> seasons ago. I wrote this. Grief comes to us all, regardless of whether it's invited. 
And let's be honest, who invites grief anyway? Grief first came to me when I was eight years old when I lost Maynard. I loved Maynard. We were best friends. He lived with me for a season. Maynard was my parakeet, actually my sister's parakeet that she let me borrow. And what a good parakeet he was. He would sit on my finger or rest on my shoulder. He only tried to fly away twice. He was the first pet that I was truly responsible for. He stayed in my room in a cage right by the window. In hindsight, I suppose that was sort of cruel. All day he would watch out the window as birds of all kinds would fly by and mock him with their freedom. But Maynard was mostly loyal nonetheless. One Sunday morning I left for church, leaving the window open for Maynard to connect with his bird brethren while I was gone. What I didn't know was that we had our last time together. You see, during the season, our area was facing a crisis. An infestation of uh, Mediterranean fruit flies had broken out in Northern California. So to treat this threat, helicopters were regularly flying by spraying malathion. See the word kill. Because of the strength of this industrial pesticide, residents were encouraged to keep their windows closed during these area-wide sprains. I didn't get that memo. Neither did Maynard. When I came home from church, I found Maynard at the bottom of his cage, um, resting, as my sister tried to convince me. I was heartbroken, inconsolable. How could a good God allow this to happen? We buried Maynard that afternoon, and I spent the next seven days sitting in Shiva. Within a year, I had moved on from a parakeet to tropical fish, all of which eventually died as well. The point is, grief finds you sooner for some than others, more so for some than others, but eventually it finds us all, which is why it's so important that you know what to do when grief works its way to you. As a pastor, I've had to perform more funerals than I care to count. One funeral is more than enough. The very first funeral I performed was when I was 28 years old. It was for a man I'd actually never met. His wife had been coming to our church and loved listening to me preach. She would bring her three and five-year-old sons with her regularly, but her husband rarely came. He had been in and out of rehab, suffering from a serious drug addiction that had cost him several jobs and had forced them to move more than once. He'd finally gotten back on his feet and was out of rehab, working a night shift when he relapsed. He overdosed and was gone before anyone even knew or had a chance to say goodbye. As I stood there in that funeral home with only a handful of people in attendance, doing my best to offer words of comfort and hope to a wife and mother who'd been to hell and back multiple times, I knew this woman and her boys would never be the same. I've led funerals for friends, for family members, and people I barely knew. Doesn't matter whose funeral it is, what the cause of death is, or whether people saw it coming, one thing remains the same. Grief places a fork in the middle of the road that your life was on. Which way you go is entirely up to you. I've seen people's lives take all kinds of routes through and around grief. Some people embrace it. Some people avoid it. 
Some people stay stuck in it. But one thing is for certain, you cannot continue to go the way you were going. The road of the life that you once knew is no longer available to you. I wish it weren't so, but this is how grief works. It reroutes, it redirects. C.S. Lewis was right. In grief, nothing stays put. If you're willing to walk grief's new path, albeit a longer and lonelier path than we would ever want, there is a comfort in knowing that you don't have to walk it alone. God wants to walk with you, to carry you through the parts of the valley of the shadow of death where your will is waning and hope seems all but lost. He wants to lead you to new places where that old road simply could not lead you. But you must be willing to walk, to work, and to pray your way through grief to get there. Now, obviously, this was written a few years back. I had experienced uh, several significant seasons of grief, having lost people that I love, seasons that I loved. Um, Jeannie, my wife, says that all change is loss and all loss changes things. All change is loss and all loss changes things. And there have been plenty of changes and losses in my life that I had walked through. And I was very tender in writing this chapter and in working through how do we connect to God and grief. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I think this too is one of those forks in the road where people's faith either blows up or, or grows up. You know, this is, this is where in grief, where people either determine that God is good and is loving and is with us in our losses, or that God can't be trusted, that God isn't in control, that God doesn't know what's going on in our lives. And I wanted to, and I still want to offer as best I can comfort and encouragement, hope in the midst of grief. I don't think I had any idea. I could have never... could have never imagined a global pandemic when I was writing this. And I couldn't have imagined that shortly after uh, this book came out, within actually a few months, my brother Scott would have a stroke suddenly, unexpectedly, and and die. Didn't, didn't have a chance to say goodbye to him. I couldn't even, I was trying to flash back and remember the last conversation we'd had and what we had said and and then he was gone. And, you know, I remember having to reside over and be a part of funerals, virtual funerals during COVID. Um, I led, was a part of a funeral for a guy in my small group when we were able to gather, I think it was 50 people max in one place, all masked up. And so (laughs) his family had a few more than 50 in our church as we grieved the loss of his sister And then um, I couldn't have imagined when I wrote this that I would um, have to do the funeral for my father as well as for my brother. We did a combined virtual memorial service just because of where things were at with the pandemic. At that point, it wasn't safe for our family and friends to gather together, plus the fact that we're kind of spread out a little bit as a family. and, And so we created a 
virtual memorial service that was uh, incredibly powerful and incredibly meaningful, but again, obviously very personal for me. And I imagine, uh, I, I just, it, I can't imagine that there aren't folks listening to this right now who haven't also had to say goodbye to someone they love over this last year and a half. Uh, or, or say goodbye to maybe a job that you loved and it just wasn't available to you, or to a season that you loved, or to <laughs> having to grieve having some space <laughs> in your apartment or in your home, or space from your kids or your spouse or partner, you know, and then all of a sudden you, that that life that you knew, like I said, there's a fork in the road and that old life just isn't available to you anymore, not in the way that it once was because of grief. It, I had a sense. Um, earlier this year that we needed to honor and mark that. And so for one of our church gatherings, and we were just beginning to open back up again, everyone was fully masked and spaced out. We did a memorial service where we gave people the opportunity to tell the story of someone that they lost or a thing that they'd lost during this pandemic. And we had them send it in um, digitally with a photo if they wanted to. And then we just had those stories and those pictures up for the whole service on a pretty big video screen behind us. And it was so powerful and so meaningful to see all these stories, all these lives that had changed because that is what grief does. It does change you. You just simply cannot, like you can pretend, I guess, you can act like everything is fine, but it's, it's just not the same. It's not the same in so many different ways. And the reason I wanted to write this chapter and, and even what's behind the heart of the book is I think this is one of the biggest obstacles we have in connecting with God is, is in our grief. We don't, we don't talk about grief enough. And when we do, it's usually not in healthy ways. And we don't talk with God. We don't connect with God lots of times in our grief. We don't know how to hold people, to hold sacred space for people in their grief. And I know that there are many folks who are trying to navigate and figure out what to do with that. You know, I, I shared in the book, in this chapter in the book, kind of like off of that Richard Rohr quote that I read a little bit ago, you know, we tend to think we can treat grief like a, a beach ball. You know, we can just kind of shove it down underwater. If you've ever tried to do that, hold a beach ball underwater, what inevitably ends up happening is it shoots out it shoot, and it never shoots straight. It always kind of shoots off to the side or it shoots this way or, or that way. And that's that's what happens when we don't hold our grief with God. It comes out in one way or the other. And lots of times to our own harm and detriment and to the harm and detriment of others and of our relationship with God. And, you know, when I walk through the, the death of my brother Scott and of my dad, and, and meanwhile, you know, the world is continuing to just turn, you know, every other week there was something to respond to, some shift, some change we had to make in our lives or in the church. And I thought that I could sort of, you know, manage my grief better after all of these losses and, and all of these uh, big and, and little traumas that we were all walking through, that I was personally walking through. I thought, okay, well, I, I know how to grieve. I've walked through this before. I know how to connect with God. And I'm grateful that it wasn't like when Jeannie's dad died and I, it took me months before I could ever pray again. And then months after that to really come to God honestly with all of my sadness, my anger, my hurt, my pain. This was different. And I thought, okay, I can manage this grief and keep on going about, you know, life as I know it. 
And a few months back, I was working on a sermon for Soul City, and I remember sitting at my computer trying to write, and hours had gone by, and I was still staring at the same blank screen. And I've been teaching and preaching for over 25 years now. It's, it's something that I really love to do. It's something that I take great pride in, and it's, it's something that I know how to do. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I realized that I was holding that beach ball under the water. I was trying to manage, go back to, you know, just get back to my life because things had, you know, life needed me and I needed to keep moving forward. And, and I realized that I had been holding all this grief and I hadn't integrated it. I hadn't brought it into my life or my life with God. I'd gotten through it, but I hadn't allowed myself to be transformed by it yet. And so I reached out to my counselor. I had been seen for years. Um, I'd kind of put my time with him on pause because I was doing group work for about five years and really loving group work. And I just knew, man, I needed some space for this and, and have been back with my counselor now for a couple months, specifically focusing on how do I integrate, how do I grieve these losses, not just the death of my brother and dad, but all of these losses. And how do I invite God into it? How do I involve God in it? And I think that's really the the purpose and the point of this chapter of the book and really of this episode is just me asking you that question. How do you want to invite God? How do you want to involve God in your grief, in whatever it is that you're grieving? My counselor said a couple weeks ago, when I was, you know, trying to walk through, how do I, you know, properly give these losses their space and continue to live my life? Yeah, however different it may be. He said this and I wrote it down because it was like, okay, that's something worth thinking about. And I wanted to share it with you. He said that grief and joy are strange bedfellows, but they definitely know how to work together if we let them. And I love that thought. Grief and joy are strange bedfellows, but that we can actually, you can hold both. You can hold grief and loss and sadness and joy and hope and peace at the same time. As I say in the book, you can be heartbroken and hopeful at the same time. Those heartbroken and hopeful can cohabitate together in the same space. And I wonder if maybe you, I don't know, needed to hear that today, that it's okay to hold grief. It's okay to hold sadness. It's okay to hold loss. It doesn't mean that you're broken or that you're bad or that you can't handle it or that you just need to kind of buck up and get back to it. You can hold that and you can hold. God has made your soul so profoundly deep and complex that you can hold that as well as joy, as well as hope, as well as peace, that you can be present to grief and present as best you can to life and everything else that's going on around you. So I just wonder if if there's anything that, that maybe you need to, to grieve, to honor, to mark, and say, this is no longer what it once was, and I then am no longer who I once was because of it. In the book I, I talk about, in this chapter specifically, better questions to ask. You know what the first question is when you suffer a significant loss, maybe the death of someone you love, a divorce, being fired from a job. You know, the first question, what's our first, like, 
think about it. What's the first question we, we ask when we face things that we would not have chosen? The first question we ask is why? Like, why, 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 why did, you know, we, as, as if we got the answer to that question, it would make everything all of a sudden make sense. Like, here is why it happened. Oh, awesome. That all makes sense now. Everything's great. The truth is we'll probably never know why. And even if we did know why, I don't think it would bring the comfort that we're searching for. And so in the book, I break down better questions. There's a, I think there's a couple better questions to ask other than why. One of them is, is who? You know, this is so much of what we do. Why physical presence is so important to the grieving process. Why telling stories and eating together and laughing and crying all in the same space is so important because we get to share who this person is, who this person was or, or what. Maybe a better question is what, you know, what, what, what was it that I lost? What was it that was so meaningful to me about this in the discussion? Uh, guide in the reflection guide that I've created for this, which I've mentioned in a couple episodes. It's actually available free on my website. I unpack that even a little bit more and give some space to really naming those, you know, answering those better questions, which you can answer. Those actually have answers. The who question, the what question, even the how question. How, how do I want to go about my life differently now because of what I've had and now what I've lost? And I think it's important when we're facing our own grief, whatever it is that we may be grieving, to remember that God is a father who knows the pain of losing a child. You have to remember that, that God knows them. Even though he knew the whole story, even though he knew this was part of the whole plan, all laid out, there was still the physical death of Jesus on earth. He knows what you're going through, what maybe you're grieving or need to grieve. And he welcomes you to come just as you are to him. You don't have to get through it to get back to connection with God. You come to God in it, with it, as messy as it may be, to weep, to vent, to sit in silence. He invites you to come, just come, just come, come as you are, come with your loss, come with your grief, come with your sadness. And he promises to be with you. He promises to stay with you. He won't abandon you in your grief. And he promises that if you do, if you can come to him as you are, you will not be the same. If you can come to him as you are, broken, sad, or, or maybe exhausted from trying to manage your grief like I was, exhausted from trying to stuff it down and you're seeing it shoot out in all kinds of different ways, that if you come to him as you are, you simply cannot and will not be the same. And so that's really the the invitation of this chapter. That's why I think it's so important. I, honestly, I am grateful. There's a few books that I read while I was walking through the death of my brother and my dad. There's not enough good, healthy books on grief. We don't talk enough about this. And so that's why I wanted to dedicate a whole chapter of this book to that and this time of this podcast to it. And I, I want to help and encourage you and offer hope where I can for the things that you may be grieving or may need to grieve. And so if you want to dive deeper, there's so much more that obviously couldn't be said in this little podcast, then I'd encourage you to check out the book. And maybe that's the whole, that's the only chapter you buy the whole book. It's like back, okay, so back when I was growing up, you couldn't just stream music. You had to buy the tape or the album even, or the CD. You had to buy the whole thing, even if you only wanted one song on it. So that may be the case. You may buy this book just for that one song, just for this one chapter on grief. And I'd encourage you to do so. I, I, think it's worth it. And I think your grief and your connection to God in the midst of your losses is worth it. 
And so I'd encourage you to check out the book, Praying Through. It's available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about the book by going to my website at jarrettstevens.com. And if we don't know each other yet, uh, I'd encourage you to find me on social. And when I say social, I mean Instagram because I really don't, I just don't, I don't. I don't get down with any other social media platforms. And so um, check me out on Instagram, at Jarrett Stevens. Uh, say hey, just shoot me a DM, say hey, I'd love to get to know you. Let me know if maybe you heard this episode or if there's a season of grief that you're walking through and if there's a way that I can support you and pray you through, pray with you through this season, I would be honored to do so. And then in, as always, like with any podcast, would you be the good, one of the good ones? Would you be one of the good ones that actually subscribes, you know, follows this pod and, and shares it if you feel um, comfortable doing so? Maybe even just for the, this one episode alone to leave a review. That just, it honestly, it's not for my ego or, or anything like that. I don't get um, paid more. <laughs> doing this all for free. I don't get paid more uh, by the number of reviews. It's just to help other people find it. And my hope would be as other people find it, they find God in the midst of whatever season they're walking through. So if you would subscribe or leave a review, share it with a friend, that would be incredibly meaningful to me. Uh, as always, I want to end with a prayer um, coming out of this chapter of the book. And it's a prayer for those of us who are grieving, find ourselves in the midst of grief. And uh, as I say each time, I'll close my eyes, you know, if that makes, if that's how you pray. You don't have to. If you're driving, I highly recommend you keep your eyes open. Or if you're washing your car, as I'm prone to doing, or you're, whatever it is that you're in the middle of running, jogging right now, I'll, I'll take care of like all the formalities of prayer. You just let this be a prayer um, that's prayed over you right now. So let me pray for you right now. God of all comfort, comfort me in this loss. Hold me and remind me that you will never let me go. Help me to welcome the gift of grief. I do not want it, but I welcome it. Help me to not make it any bigger or smaller than it is. Help me to walk all the way through it. Forgive me for thinking I could get through life without this and without you. Forgive those who try to tell me and sell me that it'll all be okay. Forgive me for wanting to punch them. Forgive me for holding what you offer to hold. Remind me that it will not only be okay one day, but that it is also okay right here and right now with you. I am okay in your presence. Help me to stay in your presence and connected to you. I'm counting on you to make good on your promises. I need you to. Thank you for the work that you are already doing in me as I pray this prayer. I will do what only I can do. Now, God, I pray, do what only you can do in all the places and ways that I am undone. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. It means a lot to me that you would carve out this time. I hope it was helpful, encouraging to you, and I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode of Praying Through.